Max Caster has garnered significant heat in the last 48 hours over his rap intro on AEW Dark. Caster invoked mental health issues pertaining to Simone Biles, and he used the idea of raping his opponents by bringing up the Duke lacrosse team. I'm Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database track for wrestling around the world. On today's show, we're talking about a fairly serious topic. Yeah, we're talking about Mac Caster, we're talking about that promo, and we're also going to talk about what Tony Kern has said he'll do about the situation. We also have headlines for the last 24 hours, John DeCani is in the house with a whole bunch of rumors for me to squash, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for August 5th, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find you the truth. a good show today we have a lot going on we've got this max caster situation to deal with this morning some SummerSlam updates we've got a bunch of news items we've got rumors we're gonna cover the gamut this morning but good morning sir good morning to you (laughs) all right well let's kick things off with max caster the news here is that he and aew received a ton of backlash after the initial airing of aew dark on Tuesday, Caster delivered a promo. He was headed to the ring to fight the Varsity Blondes and the Slidells. What he said was this. They claimed kicking ass for Miles. They can claim mental health like Simone Biles. The Slidell is going to pay the cost. I'm going to treat them bitches like Duke Lacrosse. The Blondes say they're the best, but those dudes are thicker than a PCR test. And what's that smell here in North Carolina? Oh, that's Julia's. And at that point, that's when Anthony Bowens decided to take the mic out of Caster's hands. Not any of the stuff that he said before that, but that was the point. So here we have Max Caster uh, maybe putting his foot in his mouth a little bit. Yeah, all the way up to the kneecap. You know, why in this post-Me Too world, and I know there was a wrestling version of that too, why in God's name? Would you ever invoke something even tangentially related to rape, sexual assault? Don't bring up Mr. Cosby. Don't bring up Duke Lacrosse. Don't bring up anything like that. Just keep, okay, you've got a rap gimmick and you're supposed to be edgy. Just don't shoot yourself while you're doing it. Well, here's, and here's the thing, right? There's precedent set by AEW already because Sammy Guevara on a podcast said something about raping Sasha Banks or something like that. And when he made those comments and those comments came out, he was suspended without pay for a period of time. And that pay was then donated to a charity and he had to take sensitivity training. So that much we know already, like before anything else. So Caster should be looking at that situation before he scripts his promos and saying, okay, maybe I should, you know, take that off of my list of things to talk about. That's point one. Point two is well, everything you just said, the whole speaking out movement, the, all that stuff. Like, why would you invoke these lines? Okay. And I get the idea that, okay, and Max Caster, he has done a great job of saying things that are, are edgy, that get under our skin, but aren't going to get us to turn off the channel or to turn off the, the, the TV or whatever. This is one of those things. They we're probably not going to stop watching AEW because of this, but this was a, a bad decision on his part. Yeah, absolutely. Look, in today's day and age, even though 
he mentioned her without, he certainly didn't take a shot at Simone Biles. He just mentioned, Hey, here's something that's in the news. But even that is such a hot button topic with people jumping on either sides of it. Just stay the hell away from it. Why are we bringing it up? I don't care if it rhymes. Exactly. Okay. So I guess the question is, where does AEW go from here? They have not, to my knowledge, mentioned anything about what's, what the plan is with Max Caster, if there's going to be any blowback on him or anything like that. It, so I, I, evidently at this point, it appears there won't be. What Tony Khan did say is that should have been caught during the editing process of Dark, and it wasn't, he didn't specifically up until this point do the editing for Dark. He does do the editing for Dynamite, and he will do it for Rampage. And he said now, in light of this, he will be taking over the editing himself going forward. He, he says, Dark quote from him on Busted Open Radio, going forward, I will be taking care of the editing of Dark and Elevation myself. He also said he didn't even know about this until it aired on Dark. So it was one of those things where I think he's basically separated himself from the Dark product a bit, delegated, and now he's bringing himself back in. I guess that's good news for some talent that might get seen by the boss man that wouldn't have otherwise, but he might have, he might be a little ticked off that he has to spend a little extra time doing such things. Maybe that means dark and dark elevation will be 37 hours now. <laughs> I think foil this all down point being, like we've said here, it was a lapse in judgment here. Max Caster should not have used this as his promo. Tony Khan should have been approving the bullet points, especially coming off of the whole pizza cutter thing with Domino's ticking off sponsors and things like that. It's really, I don't want to appear to be overly sensitive about this stuff. They're a big company. With the ability to, at some point in the not so distant future, be challenging for the number one spot. Now, I don't get much heat on my, my part here. WWE's miles and miles ahead of them, but we're seeing a lot of things that are making us scratch our head WWE and their releases and things like that and their, some of their decisions. And you, meanwhile, you have AW on a steady upward trajectory. They're a legitimate company. They are not one of these run of the mill companies that doesn't have national television. And as they continue to go up, they need to learn from these things and they need to not shoot themselves in the foot on the way up, up. Otherwise they're going to be, you know, it's too easy for a company like Domino's or other sponsors to say, look, I don't want to be associated with rape jokes and pizza cutters to the face. But even more so, you know, obviously there isn't a direct, this isn't something that comes up all the time. I'm sure that's not weighing over them constantly, but Tony's dad is involved with the shield. If you don't want to piss, you don't want this little thing that's a passion project becoming an issue when, you know, the, the umbrella over the top of everything is an NFL franchise and a major network like TNT. Use your brain. Just don't say stupid things. There you go. I think we'll put a pin in it right there. <laughs> There's some SummerSlam news that has come out. Um, what's sad, I guess, is we're seeing a little bit of a backward trajectory in the, the country's state with COVID. And we're seeing that Allegiant Stadium has decided to require face masks at all events, regardless of vaccination status, including SummerSlam. So the reason I bring this up is it, it feels like a little bit of a, a, a backslide in the way our country has not dealt with COVID, but the, the way that we're responding to COVID and cases and things like that. So we have this unfortunate thing that we might be going back, trying to last yesterday, we talked about 
AEW and, and WWE worried that we're going to return to Jacksonville and the Thunderdome. Let's hope none of that happens, but we should be looking at the crowd at Allegiant Stadium and they should be mostly wearing face masks, it appears. Well, at least that portion of the, the gimmick table will be, I'm sure, hot and heavy. They'll be selling John Cena masks hand over fist. They'll probably sell a whole bunch of fiend masks, right? Oh, maybe not. <laughs> Oh, hey, <laughs> All right. Well, regardless of what the card is, we know what we have and what we have in the feed down there, but we will have John Cena and maybe we'll take those headbands and move them down a little bit. But no matter what the card is, the EWP crew will get together on Saturday, August 21st, likely at noon to talk about, to go through the Essential Wrestling Podcast Summer Slam Special, a fun time for us to get together and decide who we think is going to win the night's matches. So, John, very much looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yeah, we always have such a great time on those specials because, you know, we're not talking about last week, right? It's just, hey, your favorite memories from this big event because it's always, we do it around the big four and let everyone gets to talk about every match and it's just a good time. It's three, four, five, six guys sitting around just chopping up wrestling. Like we were all just hanging out in somebody's living room. Absolutely. So we will be there. It'll be your SummerSlam pre-show on August 21st. So do tune in for that. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll go through and predict all the matches. Let's share our thoughts on SummerSlam overall. So John, with that, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to jump right into the rumors. John has eight, nine, or 10 rumors that we've got to talk through so I can sort through all the BS and get to the bottom of some of these things. We've got Adam Cole in there and we've got a bunch of other stuff. So stick with us. We'll be right back in about a minute and a half. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out bodyslamclothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20. And all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to bodyslamclothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Monday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Monday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeConi, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday. It consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at bodyslambrigade.com. And, of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. All right, John, let's get into all these rumors you've got. Okay, let's kick it off with Adam Cole, baby. We know he's going to be around right up until SummerSlam weekend at the very least, probably fighting Kyle O'Reilly. But I'm hearing he's been offered multiple contracts and he's turned them all down. Hearing that after extending himself to SummerSlam weekend, they pretty much haven't talked about anything. And that, that Canyon Seaman 
uh, was fired for botching this because nobody else realized that his contract was up. What do you know about Adam Cole? When the Adam Cole contract news came out, PW Insider seemed to confirm that the whole thing with Canyon Seaman, they said that his release, Canyon Siemens, was in line with the timing that WWE learned about Adam Cole and his contract situation. So they're making the leap that it's potentially related. We don't really, haven't really heard anything else on that. So it's just the one comment from PW Insider. Maybe it's related. Uh, They didn't seem to say like sources have indicated this to us or anything like that. I say it's a little bit of hearsay on that one. Now, the idea of multiple contracts, that's coming from PW Unlimited, and I have not seen any other confirmation on that. What I have read from Fightful and other sources is that they're saying that they're, you know, Cole was extended through SummerSlam. It's, it was obvious that he's going to be offered work, an, another contract afterwards, and they haven't worked out this, the deals yet. This was the first I had heard of this multiple contract thing and he's turned them all down sometimes when there's smoke there's fire but until i see this pop up a little bit more i'm not gonna hang my hat on that okay yeah maybe i eventually get that uh, loser leaves town match that i was calling for a couple months ago if they certainly if they change it to a loser leaves town i guess it whether multiple contracts or not it will appear they have not come to an agreement exactly Okay, moving along. Backstage morale is down surrounding the release of Bray Wyatt. And some senior members of the roster have even said that they feel their jobs are no longer safe. Anyone can go. This came out almost within within 24 hours of us hearing about the Bray Wyatt release. Fightful reported that they were actually contacted. That's where the 20 people comes from. 20 people from WWE had contacted them to say that they believe there's more to the situation than just budget cuts. Indeed, they also said, Fightful said that some of the more senior people in the company are said that they're not safe. So they, so that's where that's coming from. So I, I think that's, that's fact. I think the morale is down and people don't really feel like they have a whole lot of job security. And now I'm reading that even some of the network partners of WWE are, you know, bummed about this whole thing. Same thing. Within hours of Bray's release, Andrew Zarian, who was on vacation in, I think, in Jamaica, he was he tweeted out that he heard a lot of frustration from the networks regarding Bray's release. Andrew Zarian, pretty good, pretty good record on things. I would think that he's lying about that. Yeah. Okay. Shifting gears slightly to a W side of things, Hangman may not appear on the All Out card at all. Yeah, so there was a brief conversation between Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Radio, where Dave said that Paige was out of the main event and out of All Out altogether. I'm pretty positive he's out of the main event, just based on the way the the booking is going. I don't think we can rule him out of All Out pay-per-view quite yet. I'm not sure why Dave said what he said, but he has, as far as I know, there's been no follow-up to that. He He didn't write anything in the Observer after that about Paige not being in All Out. I don't know what his match would be at this point because they've seemed to have really gone far away from Kenny Omega and Adam Page are still squaring off with each other on Dynamite. So maybe it'll be Paige versus somebody in that elite squad. But at this point, at this point, there's doesn't really seem like there's a match if it's not against Kenny Omega. And I don't think that's the case. All right. Okay. Ric Flair 
Now there are I, there are rumors on both ends of the spectrum. He, he texted Vince an ultimatum. Vince either blew him off or said no. So Rick said, "That's it. I'm done." There's other rumors saying, "Ah, oh, he's been in the work for in the works for a while." Rick has different plans for his future, so it was just understandable that he walked away. Rick's pissed about the way Charlotte's being booked. Rick's he's gone. He's on his way to AEW, and unfortunately. Didn't get a chance to say this yesterday, but literally at three o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, I read that he may show up as early as tonight being yesterday on dynamite to manage somebody. Please fork through all that crap. It's a lot. Of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. So first things first, there's multiple reports from multiple news outlets saying that Flair was messaging Vince McMahon about some of the frustrations of booking decisions specifically with Charlotte and stuff. So he was not happy in that regard. I have not heard anything about this ultimatum. I know it was recorded by somebody, but the fact that I haven't heard anything about an ultimatum, just that there was disagreement. Flair himself actually came out and said that they had different differences about an opinion about his future. So whatever that means, Flair put over WWE quite well. He future endeavored them. Yeah. So I don't know about an ultimatum, but there was definitely contact between Flair and McMahon that led to this release of the ultimatum might be too much to confirm. The idea that it's been in the works for a while comes from TMZ. TMZ actually reported that we're told the split has been in the works and both sides ultimately came to an agreement recently. Now this kind of makes sense because if some of the frustration about booking dates back to the Lacey Evans angle, then you would think the conversations maybe started months ago because she's been off television. I think that's February. So that's a long time that things have been, uh, the relationship may have been degrading and that there might've been something in the works, but in any case, they've come to an agreement recently. Uh, now heading to AEW, I guess we can confirm now that he didn't show up there last night, at least not on screen. I think it's complete speculation. Ric Flair could be doing anything. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ric Flair at the uh, St. Louis NWA show either, just because from a legacy perspective, he's. He wrestled Bruiser Brody there and a lot of matches at, at the, in St. Louis. So that would make sense. So I think it's complete speculation about the AEW side. Although, like I mentioned earlier, AEW is the, is the other big, big dog in, in the universe here of United States wrestling. So if he's going to go someplace, would that be where he would end up? And if he was going to do some sort of managing thing, I just can't see where, who he would manage and what he would be doing if it's not maybe his future son-in-law, but yeah. That seems to Chavo seems to have that kind of under control. So, right. yeah, I, I could see him taking someone like Ricky Starks under his wing if he wasn't already in Team Taz because he's a suit wearing smooth kind of guy that I would be a flair guy. But yeah, I hope he eventually shows up there if only for the Tully and Arn group hug backstage or something like that. Even if we just get a moment out of it, you just feel like that's going to happen eventually. Yeah. The thing about Ric Flair is, can you imagine him on television every week? He is not in the best health condition, right? He's, he certainly has looked better before. I, j I don't, but he was getting ready to be on a pretty much a routine angle on WWE television. So maybe I'm wrong about that, but yeah. So we'll see where he ends up. WWE may not have said it in their release, but we, of course, which wish Rick the best in all his future endeavors. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, moving along, uh, Ruby Riot, a.k.a. Ruby Soho. She's all but a lot to show up in AEW soon. Huh? 
It appears that way. Fightful reported that Ruby Riot appears to be headed to AEW. They got word from talent and industry insiders. There was how they listed their sources, but they're pretty confident in the reporting. So I would think this is the case. Now I'm thinking at all out this year, there will be a casino ballot Royal on the women's side. And if that's the case would make good sense for a debut in that Joker position. Ah, very good. Okay. Please tell me what's going on with AJ Styles. Should I be worried that he was absent at Raw, wasn't there for his boy Omos in his singles match and they were booked, uh, him and Omos were booked on and then canceled on the bump. What's going on? Anything to worry about here? Things are very quiet regarding AJ Styles. I haven't really heard much of anything at all. What we do know though, is that a long time ago, and he's actually reiterated this recently, whenever he re-signed his contract with WWE, he did say that it was going to be his last contract in wrestling. I don't know if that means his contract is coming up or what that is, but he definitely is on his last stint with WWE. You know, we've seen all these contract snafus with WWE and the with Alistair Black and with Adam Cole now. So maybe he is coming towards the end of his contract, but everybody's really quiet. There's no, absolutely no reporting on this. So there's not like. Nobody's saying that he has COVID and he's out or he's injured and he's out or anything like that. Uh, so we will have to wait and see. I think Randy Orton, as far as information, is going to the same boat. I think nobody really knows what, why Randy Orton's off television and stuff like that. So we shall see on both of them. Yeah. And then those two, we at least, you know, for probably a couple months now, I've been assuming they're probably headed on a collision course for those tag titles for SummerSlam. So hopefully both of them are healthy and ready to go. I would say at one point in time, I would have thought those guys are untouchable. They're, you know, WWE is not going to do anything. I mean, AJ Styles survived the layoff of his, his friends and things like that. He's top guy. So is Randy Orton. Randy Orton's maybe the top guy in WWE in terms of his tenure and his status, but man. When you see guys like Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt get laid off and you've got Nick Khan in the back pulling all the strings to make sure that each budget line balances to the projection, they're laying off big contracts. So I don't know. I really don't. Okay. On to some more lighthearted and nonsensical stuff. Uh, WWE has filed a couple new trademarks. Any idea where we're headed with Sunray or... Ethereal spirit. Yeah. They filed for those tr trademarks. I have no clue. Sunray sounds like maybe a tag team, doesn't it? Like maybe they're going to use something with Saray cause she's, she's got the sun gimmick. No idea okay. about those, but the trademark is certainly not a rumor. That's definitely true. They filed for those trademarks. Alrighty. And lastly, on the rumor side, we spoke last week and week before about the potential queen of the ring tournament. Now, this could just be someone trying to make haha -ha here, but the finals perhaps taking place in Saudi Arabia? This comes from Andrew Zarian of Mad Men Podcast. He is the one who broke the news about the Saudi show to begin with, and it was all but confirmed on the investors call that they are going to go to Saudi. They said there's a big international event that they're doing in the fall. They didn't announce the place or anything like that, but based on the reporting that we've heard, um, it sounds like that's probably true that they're going to Saudi Arabia, October 21st, I think is the date. And along with that report about the queen, uh, about Saudi show, Andrew Zarian also broke the news of the queen of the ring tournament finals happening in Saudi. And it does seem weird. 
right? Because they've only ever had one women's match in Saudi Arabia. But when you go to Saudi Arabia, you have to have a best in the world or best tag team ever or greatest battle royal or something like that. So it would make sense that they would have the Queen of the Ring finals happen there. Although it seems a little weird, like we would, we never had a Queen of the Ring tournament and you do the crowning of it in Saudi Arabia instead of here in the United States. It seems a little rough, but yeah. Okay. I think we have sorted through. All right. With that behind us, let's get into the day's headline. Unfortunate news that that beautiful Bobby Eaton has passed away at the age of 62. Very young. He was one half of the famed Midnight Express. Yeah, and exactly. That's exactly how I know him. Unfortunately, I don't know a lot of his work. I did. It's just one of those things. You know, the Midnight Express, you know, Cornette, you know, Midnight Express, them, especially as the number one rivals to the Rock and Roll Express. I just didn't experience a lot of his career live, but 62, way too young. Rest in peace, beautiful Bobby. Yeah, and there will be obituaries everywhere memorializing Bobby and his contributions. So sad news to report, but that was just in this morning. Best wishes to the family of Bobby. And then the other news, John Cena's new movie, The Suicide Squad, is out today. You can get that on Disney Plus, Disney Plus, whatever the streaming service is that's going to be on. You get that, you can get that tonight. HBO Max, it's HBO Max and in theaters tonight. So you can stay up late and watch your Suicide Squad if you are indeed a Suicide Squad person. That's sorry. Hey, if you are a the Suicide Squad person, I guess that is the, as Al Carl has told us before the show went on the air, that is the key difference between this movie and the last one is that the article in front of Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, instead of Suicide Squad 2 or something like that. Never has an article been more grammatically significant. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, some news out of AEW Dynamite. Layla Hirsch defeated the Bunny to earn herself a title match against Camille. The match will take place at the All Women's Pay Per View this month in St. Louis, NWA's Empower. And man, this is a David versus Goliath match, is it not, John DeCurley? It is. A, I, I can't imagine another scenario where you could have two people with such a body's disadvantage you're talking about oh yeah seeing them in the ring uh, last night was quite a stunner it's comical i, I don't know what kind of match they're going to have because layla is very technical and camille is very much like spear some suplexes and things like that but man that layla hirsch what she did that she missed that moonsault where she spring did the springboards and stuff but that was a cool move i hope we get to see a real showcase match for Layla Hirsch at NWA Power. Absolutely. And we know she's, uh, you know, what we would call a shooter. Yeah. So uh, long limbs. She can really do some stretching on Camille. Maybe she'll be managed by Ric Flair. We'll start that rumor now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we also found out that one of the matches on the first ever episode of Rampage will be Britt Baker defending the AEW World Women's Championship against Red Velvet. Um, Rampage number one next Friday. Yes. Winners on title being defended in Britsburg. In Britsburg. I wonder if Baker will have a match on Dynamite too. They didn't announce her for one, but maybe a little quick warm up. They got to put Brick Baker on every one of these shows at least. Yeah. Well, she'll, she'll definitely come out and have something to say at the very least. So. Yeah. Were you let down a little bit by finding out that the fourth labor of Jericho is Wardlow? 
I felt a little bit meh after we had the big Nick Gage surprise and we had the big Juventud Guerrera surprise that in the beginning, I thought Wardlow was going to definitely be one of them. But then when they yeah. said all these surprises, I was like, oh my God, what are we going to get this week? So Yeah, in the, in the beginning, we started with Spears and I thought it was just a matter of time. We'd probably get a, a handicap match against FTR. Then we'd get Wardlow in a steel cage or something like that. When they went off script and brought in Nick Gage, brought in Uvi, I was a rest in peace. I was upset we never, we didn't get around to seeing uh, him face Ralphus. But right. uh, <laughs> Wardlow with, with MJF at ringside. And man, the dad messed me up last night. MJF said, I, I, I will accompany him to the ring. And then it stuck in my head that at the end of that segment, JR said that MJF was going to be the referee. Yeah. Then they can, we get to the end of the show when they do that rundown next week. Blah, 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 and I'm going like, wait, I had to go all the way back to the beginning of the show and rewatch that segment. Through. Okay. He's just going to be ringside. That's no big surprise. So, so did Jim Ross make that comment? Because I, w- I had seen that reported elsewhere that, J- that Jeff was going to be the referee. I'm like, where did that come from? Is that it, what happened? Kind of said it with that, that three and four man table over there. Sometimes comments get stepped on, but I, he said as that segment was ending and fading to black that oh, I don't know if he's going to be able to overcome that with the MJF as the referee. And even though that's not what MJF just said, that stuck in my head because JR said it. And when we got to the end of the show, I was completely confused. Well, other news, we found out for Rampage that the, they're going to have a four man booth. A four-man booth for a one-hour show. And, and, and listen, Mark Henry's trying to make his debut as a commentator, so he's going to be reserved in his first couple of outings, but he's going to want to do well, and he's a very competitive man. And you have him in there with Excalibur, who I think they'd be a fine combination together. They would work well off each other. But then when you add in Taz and you add in Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho's not going to let anybody talk. <laughs> Taz is going to want to get his stuff in. Jericho's going to dominate anytime there's a, a, a second to, to stick a comment in there. I, I'm afraid poor Mark Henry's going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, that or he's going to pick up Chris Jericho and throw him off the stage. <laughs> and maybe that's how can there's Mark Henry match. Because <laughs> Mark Henry did say he's got a couple of matches in the tank. Same thing with, with Paul White. I thought for a minute... When MJF was finishing up, I thought that perhaps one of Jericho's labors was going to be Mark Henry or the big show, but especially with the whole Jericho background and stuff like that, but absolutely that didn't come to come to pass, but there's your four man booth for more people in the booth that are going to be wrestling on the show. <laughs> so, uh, unless they do a 27 man tag. <laughs> uh, Malachi Black in his first match on AEW, in AEW, he fought Cody Rhodes, one of the EVPs, and it wasn't very long match. There was a lot of time left on the clock for the show, but the match went five minutes. Malachi Black put Cody down with a, a black mass, and then he pinned him with one boot over his chest. Definitive win, and then it looked like Cody was going to retire, but then Malachi Black came back and hit him again. <laughs> Malachi Black went from uh, John Smith's favorite wrestler to uh, what are you doing in a matter of 90 seconds? <laughs> he had beaten Cody into retirement and then brought him right back out of it. Exactly. But I think this was the most definitive loss Cody's had. So sure. You know, people, to everybody out there that's saying he'll never put anybody over, he definitely put Malachi Black over. Now the feud will continue 
probably not for two months, but the feud will continue. And I would expect Cody to win that one. Yeah. That's, that is where that's Cody being Cody. He yeah. definitively put Malachi black over and then managed to make it all about him by starting a retirement speech and then bringing the whole thing back to, Ooh, I'm going to get another shot at it. So yes, very much put him over, but never to be forgotten. Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Al Carl writing in the, uh, the comments that, that Brody squashed Cody as well. Brody did get the victory over Cody Rhodes. The big angle at the end of that though, was the dark order completely destroying the nightmare family, including Anna Jade taking out Randy Rhodes. So that was the real heat on that angle. I don't remember. Maybe it was more of a squash, but I, I didn't remember it going that way. I just remembered all the heat coming off the big attack afterwards. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. We've got that, got that. New Japan Pro Wrestling announced that they'll be running Garland, Texas, and Philadelphia this fall for the New Japan Strong tapings. And that New Japan Strong out of the 2300 Arena, that's like worlds colliding right there. 2300 Arena, the old ECW Arena. So crazy. But it's nice. That's the first time they're leaving California for those Strong tapings. So they, they basically launched Strong during the pandemic. So there's never been many fans involved. So that'll be fun. Absolutely. Impact Wrestling announced Impact Insiders YouTube membership. There's two tiers. There's a 99 cent tier and a 4.99 tier. The 99 cent tier gets you all the weekly episodes on demand, which is pretty cool, I think, because it's it's all due respect to access. It's not in a lot of homes, but YouTube is in everybody's home. This gives them the ability to get their product out. And then if you pay the for the $5 tier, you get the entire back catalog of Impact and TNA pay-per-views. Plus you get the weekly show on demand. Plus they have a whole bunch of other perks. I don't think it includes their weekly or their monthly specials like homecoming right. and things like that. I think you still have to have Impact Plus for that, but I don't know. So we're going to have to monitor that situation to, to make sure. But And on the subject of streaming services, MLW, Major League Wrestling has apparently closed a deal with a streaming servers that has come through from PW Insider. They're confirming that. And dear God, John, I hope it's one of the 787 streaming services I've already paid for. Please make it, please make it Peacock, Bleacher Report, Hulu, Netflix, or CBS. <laughs> Good God. Make it one of the primes. So many of them out there. Yeah, exactly. Let's not add another one, please. I even mentioned, even mentioned prime there. Yeah. Could be, be prime. Al Carl says Brody beat Cody in 139 to win the TNT title. He let me know with a private chat. So there you go. That's pretty definitive as well. Yes. <laughs> All right. Couple the lineups for tonight's wrestling. We have BTI tonight. We have crazy Steve versus Falaba. Kenny Omega and the good brothers versus Sammy Callahan, Frankie Kazarian, Eddie Edwards. That'll probably mean event impact wrestling tonight. Chris Bay. Versus Juice Robinson, Jake something versus the Vare versus Rohit Raju versus Trey Miguel. That's an X Division number one contenders match. We also have Fire and Flava versus Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellery, which could be Kiera Hogan's last match at Impact. We know she's finished up there. So uh, on SmackDown tomorrow night, we have Finn Balor versus Barry Corbin. And then on NXT UK this afternoon, we have A Kid versus Jordan Devlin in an Iron Man match. John, what's your favorite thing in all the, that lineup? Oh, I'm definitely going to be tuning in for that Iron Man match. That sounds like it's going to be amazing. Yes. A-Kid, Jordan Devlin, that should be very good. And A-Kid's got all that experience from the multi, 
round matches. Rounds, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Of course, they won't be, the, the rounds will be limited on time. You think this is going to go into overtime? That's the Iron Man trope, right? That's going to be exactly. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. If it was a 60 man Iron Man, I'd say, okay, maybe not, because that's, they've just got an hour block there. But a 30 minute Iron Man match, absolutely going into overtime. Yeah, absolutely. John, we are pretty much out of time. Do we leave anything out today? Nothing I can think of, sir. I think we've gone through it all. All right. But for John, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you with Al Carl on the show on Monday.